0: Get out the insurance cards, get out the co-pays. The office is
1: open, my friends. Brought to you by drrodo.com. What is up? And welcome into the Pros with Joe's podcast. For those of you that have listened in weeks before, you will notice right off the top, something is quite different about this week's episode. And that is, I am not your beloved host, Mr. John Dansby. John is under the weather, and I am rolling solo here for you on this week 17 edition, which means that you all get more of the gift that nobody asks for. Time with me and my own rambling opinions. We are here heading into week number 17 of NFL action. That means that last week in the Charity League, we got through our semi-final rounds, and it was an absolute Slobberknocker, the first round of the playoffs our our final eight or our elite eight teams uh, was during the week 15 covid crisis in the nfl that had not only real football teams but also fantasy teams reeling and scrambling around player availability and that averaged about 95 points on the whole and here in week 16 we saw a bit of a bounce back For our final four teams, the 8-5 matchup between Team Florio and Team Engel, the 7-3 matchup between Team Claskins and Team Harmon, each of which averaged about 140 points per team. So very much so, uh, much more of a rebound, much more of a representative look at the strength of these teams. And while that may be the case, that is not to say that these teams were not without their respective holes in their rosters. So taking a look at the waiver wire activity heading into the semifinal rounds, we start with Dan Claskins who was incredibly busy. He went out and acquired five players heading into this week 16 matchup against Team Harmon. Went out and added the services of Cam Akers who was at the time rumored to potentially be returning. We now saw and have seen that He is returning and will track and monitor his availability to play here in week number 17. He also picked up Matt Ryan, due in large part to the injury availability of his starting quarterback, Mr. Lamar Jackson. Dan himself picked up the Saints defense as well as Tyler Huntley and Justin Jackson here during the week week 16 waiver run. And we saw many of these players plugged right into his lineup and contribute for him in the playoff round. We'll look next at the other side of that game, which was team Harmon and Matt himself. Wasn't quite as busy on the waiver wire, but he did make a couple of crucial acquisitions. Laquan Treadwell was one player that he added up might be the first time he has ever been described as a crucial acquisition, but that is neither here nor there. The star of Matt Harmon's week 16 waiver run was none other than Justin Jackson, the running back for (laughs) Los Angeles chargers who much like Dan Claskins, Matt picked up and started right away in that week 16 matchup. And the other side of the bracket, Scott angle actually broke form. He was our, uh, steamed guest from last week's episode of the podcast. And he was not quite as busy on the waiver wire, we, we've we've seen and have known Scott to be fairly active in terms of player acquisition and churning the backside of his bench. But here in week 16, by and large, kind of stood pat, went out and acquired Jarrett Patterson uh, in case of the event of Antonio Gibson being unavailable. He also went and picked up Ronald Jones. But apart from that, largely stuck with the team that got him there. And that was the squad that faced off against Team Florio, who was absolutely all over the place in terms of the amount of activity that he took onto the waiver wire last week heading into the semifinal rounds. We saw Mike Florio go and add players like Byron Pringle, Brandon Bolden, Craig Reynolds, Kenneth Gainwell, Gabriel Davis, to name a few. So Michael Florio himself was really looking to bolster the backside of that roster heading into that matchup. And that is the matchup that we will start by taking a closer look at. So again, this was the 5-8 matchup, Team Angle being the fifth seed with Team Florio being the eighth seed. And ultimately, both of these managers played a pretty solid game. There are uh, only a few players on their bench that they potentially could have slotted into their starting lineup and improved their score here in week number 16 for Scott Engel. The biggest uh, opportunity, if you will, (laughs) that was left on the bench was slotting in the likes of Devin Singletary, but ultimately he would have had to supplant players like Cooper cup or Jonathan Taylor or DK Metcalf in order to have a meaningful impact on his scoring output. And ultimately, I don't think those are decisions that Scott nor anybody else is going to be making. So uh, Scott himself played a fairly clean game here and ultimately put up 141 points, 141.45 to be exact. But unfortunately for our guest last week, it was not quite enough as we saw Team Florio Bounce back from a bit of a slow performance and eking over the line in the first week of the playoffs to put up nearly 146 points here in Week 16. And Michael himself and his co-manager played really about the optimal lineup. Uh, He did have Byron Pringle go off on his bench for almost 26 points, but ultimately, in order to get him into his lineup, He would have to consider benching guys like Chase Edmonds, Antonio Gibson, Javante Williams. So calls that would be fairly difficult to make. The only one that potentially could have been viable would be A.J. Green starting none other than Byron Pringle over A.J. Green. But if you recall from the week that was, ultimately A.J. Green was on one of the early games on the slate and we didn't have super good clarity about player availability for the kansas city chiefs receiving core until right before the game on sunday so this was a decision that was somewhat made for him but either way we found michael florio largely on the backs of performances from rex burkhead and chase edmonds do enough to survive and advance onto the finals here in the pros with joe's Year 2 Charity League. And that takes us to the other side of our bracket where we see Dan Claskins facing off against Matt Harmon. We will jump directly to the outcome of this week's matchup where we saw Team Harmon prevail by a score of 141 to 136. So much like the other side of the bracket, scoring very much so up here in this matchup. And was a very tight matchup, another game that was decided by about a five-point margin. For Team Harmon, even though he was able to arise victorious, uh, ultimately wasn't the, the the cleanest game for him. He left a lot of points on his bench, uh, none other than or no less than Joe Burrow sitting down there as his bench quarterback, putting up nearly 45 points. To be fair to Matt and to his co-manager, he was making a decision between Joe Burrow and Tom Brady. And generally speaking, most people were looking for an angry Tom Brady to come out off of being shut out against the Saints and really impose his will on the Carolina Panthers last week. And while he had a fine game, uh, about 17 points of productivity, uh, certainly wasn't the top scorer of the week that matt had left on his bench taking a look at some of the other lineup decisions you know not really a ton of uh you know sort of questionable calls here right the one that jumps out to me michael gallup is in his starting lineup scoring seven and a half fantasy points and you look down at his bench there is brandon Ayuk sitting down there having scored 14 points obviously a lot of that came on the back of a receiving touchdown but Even without that, I probably would have been more inclined to fire up the second receiving option there in San Francisco relative to the third option in Dallas, but all is well that ends well, and Matt Harmon is our victor in this matchup. Taking a look at Dan Klaskin's 136 (laughs) points that he put up here in week number 16, and he had almost a perfectly optimized starting lineup. Um, really the only player that could have moved the needle for him was Robbie Anderson uh, scoring about 11 points on his bench. Uh, Obviously with a differential of about five points in the matchup, it would have been enough to uh, ultimately tip the scales in his favor, but we would have uh, had to make a decision or he would have had to make a decision to start him over Donovan Peoples Jones. Wow. That might not be the flashiest name in the book. Uh, Ultimately, DPJ was really one of the few receiving and healthy options for the Browns offense on that uh, would-be Saturday game that moved to Monday and uh, is a call that I would likely find myself making uh, here in week number 16 right alongside Dan Claskins and taking a look at his team you know, really player availability and the impact of COVID is is really the story of his week here, right? We saw Matt Ryan in as his starting quarterback in place of not only Lamar Jackson, but his backup that was picked up and subsequently ruled out Tyler Huntley. We saw Tyreek Hill put in less than five points in his first game back from uh, his time on the COVID reserve. So a lot of moving parts here for Dan Claskins. he put up. A very valiant effort in week number 16 and ultimately came up a little bit short. But instead of speculating as to the long and winding road to the playoffs in the Pros with Joe's Charity League, why don't we just go to the source himself? Our esteemed guest tonight, none other than Mr. Dan Claskins of Fantistics and GetSportsInfo.com. Dan, welcome in. Thanks for joining us tonight.
0: Oh man, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on the podcast and uh, definitely thanks for having me in the, the fun activity here to, to raise so much awareness and funds for a lot of great organizations.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, It's been a fun couple of seasons getting this kicked off and um, you actually teed it up beautifully there. I'd love maybe if you can start us off and tell us a little bit about who it is that you're supporting and, and how you've been involved with them over the
0: Yeah, so uh, last couple years I've played in this event. Um, I've played for DAV, that's Disabled American Veterans, and it's certainly a cause I'm very passionate about. Um, I actually have worked at DAV. Uh, I oversee all the digital marketing for the organization, and I just get to see firsthand. It's mission and action. They help a million veterans every single year through free programs and services that are all funded by the donors, but things like getting their benefits and finding better jobs and getting rides to their appointments for disabled veterans and a list of many others. So if you're a veteran out there, you need some help. That's the most important thing here. Uh, You can get free help at DAV. So check it out, DAV.org. But I've been uh, actually not just with this event, uh, Eric, but through my own efforts with our do good fantasy efforts that we started back a couple of years ago on our SiriusXM XM uh, show, we had a listener league and every year it was just 12 people in this listener league. And I, I turned down dozens and dozens more. So as I expanded, I, I was like, let's, let's tie to the two things. I love fantasy football and helping veterans together. So just through listener leagues and getting people to donate as part of that. And then we started into best balls and, this past Veterans Day, we did something really cool with RT Sports and Sirius XM and it was a lot of fun. And so far in less than two years, we raised about sixteen thousand dollars just through a bunch of 10, 20, and 30 donations of a bunch of uh, guys and gals out there that love fantasy football. And so it's been a really uh, great opportunity. And I love putting a little purpose behind everything. And uh, so That's why I was resonated to pros with Joe's and everything and all the good work you guys have done, not just obviously for DAV, the the thing I'm playing for and have played for, but really just giving everybody a chance out there. And I I encourage owners and and commissioners of leagues across America to, uh, choose a favorite charity of your choice. Maybe if it's a hometown league, it's one of your local charities, you know, uh, something that your league could be passionate about and put a little, uh, maybe add a little extra uh, entry fee into your mix and, and make a nice donation or better yet, if you had a fortunate season, won a few leagues, got a little extra Jack, you know, go out there and, and make a donation to something, uh, give it back somewhere in your community because there's a lot of people, a lot of people these days that need some help in some way or another. So, so many good nonprofits out there doing the good work.
1: Yeah, certainly no, no shortage of, of amazing organizations out there. And, uh, certainly, no no shortage of of people and causes that uh, are in in need of support of in need in a need of some support. Excuse me. And you know the the thing that I think is really the through line here. I, I think it was uh, uh, Scott Fish that I first heard say this um, is your idea of maybe throwing in a few extra bucks in your home league for um, you know for some sort of charitable donation, right? Even if you maintain the um, the amount of your buy in if you know you carve off five or ten dollars a head you're not going to miss it and you're going to be able to do some good and and you'll feel pretty good about it so yeah uh there's no doubt it feels good it feels good
0: doing good right and that's where uh that's where i came up with do good fantasy and yeah the scott fish bowl i mean scott fish certainly uh really just a trend a a trailblazer and in the regard of of time fantasy with it and obviously what you guys are doing here with pros with joe's i know that warrior bowl is another good one that's having a lot of success internationally so it's good to see the fantasy community and i think we even saw it uh, when mike tagliari passed away and mm-hmm. you know uh and, and what a terrible uh, you know memory <laughs> that is from the year but to see how the community responds when it's needed upon most to help other people's is pretty overwhelming and it, it makes me feel good to be just part of a community that's doing those types of things.
1: Yeah. It's, it's one of the rare instances where the word community is, is used, but used in, in a very apropos way. Right. Um, there, yeah, there absolutely. is a lot of support and and love in this community. Um, and a lot of people that are thinking outside of their, their own confines, right. They're trying to have a bigger impact than, um, you know, the, the, the day-to-day life that they're living. So definitely appreciate your support and your participation here in not only Pros with Joe's, but also making philanthropy a, a through line in in the fantasy sports community. You you mentioned a minute ago that you are in your second year here. So you are one of our founding members of the Pros with Joe's League. And I'm, I'm curious, either this year or last year, I'd, I'd love to know if there are any maybe funny stories of working alongside your Joe or any yeah. memories that stick out about your experience.
0: Well, uh, I've been fortunate enough. Kenny Rogers is uh, our Joe, uh, and he's been my Joe each of the two seasons. And Kenny's also been a loyal participant in some of our do good fantasy efforts as well. So, and he's been a longtime listener of our our show. And uh, I mean, being on SiriusXM the past decade is it seems like well, God. It's hard to believe I've been on. Uh, this is wrapping up my tenth season, but it's been so special to connect with so many of the listeners and Twitter's perfect place for it because I mean, I've got friendships with these people and, uh, and Kenny uh, last year, I was a lot more hands-off, honestly, Um, you know, I I sort of, I wanted to participate in it, but I mean, there's craziness as it went on and I leaned on him pretty heavily uh, after draft day. And he certainly did a good job this year. It was sort of a, a juxtaposition because like he had a conflict the night of, and, suddenly suddenly i had to go in and just draft and like we didn't have a lot of uh a lot of talk back and forth i mean we threw out some players and he was involved in the first couple picks and then he's like all right i got to go do my other draft now so it's all you and it's all you so it was definitely uh my building the team and this year with the wrinkle of how the lineup setups were in the teams with PPR and the roster restrictions being uh you know having a tool like the Fantastics draft advisor which obviously I, I work for Fantastics and it is a unique tool because the way you can plug in settings and it changes the rankings in real time as the draft goes on it just kept pushing up receiver and receiver and receiver and receiver and I was like I'm just going to keep dra- it's PPR I'm just going to keep drafting receivers here and uh I would say that in general that was a winning strategy in a very rare league I was shocked by the number of people that were just drafting these other positions based off of the scoring system. And uh, a good reminder for all people in new fantasy leagues that they're not played in before is to really like have a good feel of what the lineup settings and rules are. Cause I felt like in the draft, I was already beating a couple of these owners based off of my, what seemed to be a deeper understanding of the league rules.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, that, that is a new wrinkle for us here in in our second season that, Uh, The rosters themselves are essentially positionless. The Scott Fishbowl is the same way, right? Scott goes out of his way
0: in the sense of like trying to throw, because we all play, I mean, dude, let's face it. We could play in just a regular old 12-team draft PPR score. I mean, we could do those drafts in our sleep, right? Right. And that's why, you know, a league like yours, obviously the Scott Fishbowl changes every year. um, Throwing those curveballs out there. And another thing, I mean... I play in a lot of leagues. I'm trying to cut back a little bit, but if you're going to play in a lot of leagues, I I advise playing in all different types of leagues, right? Don't play in this. If you're going to play in, let's say, 10 leagues, you don't play in 10 leagues that have the exact same setup. I mean, maybe you do, but I like a little variety, especially as somebody that uh, gets asked literally thousands of questions during the season. It helps that I can relate as people tell me the types of leagues they play in to to understand what those differences are, especially when it comes to drafting. I feel like uh, on the weekly grind of matchup breakdowns and projecting, I don't have the time that some of the others do. So I'm maybe not the best go-to on that. I've had some success, but I mean, my draft rankings, I mean, they have stood up over the test of time because it's a process, right? And, uh, you know, I I don't think you win the league on draft day, but I definitely think there are some that lose it on draft day. And, uh, this year, especially you're not going to win the league on draft day alone, but, uh, the league was fun. Kenny, going back to your question. I mean, it's a good relationship we had. I, I generally, uh, have let him do a lot of it. And then the tougher decisions, you know, we'll go a lot of text back and forth on, but he lives in Canada this And, uh, so, it is nice to uh, interact and, and do some things, but that's what it's about, right? Fantasy sports in general, it's about building relationships. So I like the fact that with this, you know, we're able to have a co-manager and I'm not good. I got to I'll be honest. Like I have a lot of leagues where buddies of mine, they like split a team and some, especially some of the higher stakes leagues I play in where, you know, entry fees get up there. And, uh, I couldn't, I Generally, I'm not somebody that does well with a partner in fantasy because I don't <laughs> want to get into a debate, right? I, 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 If I can't afford to pay my entry fee and my owner, it's too much. It's it's stay, cramping my style. I just, I'll just won't play in that league. So right, this is the first league that I can remember in fantasy football. And I've been playing now. I don't even want to tell you how many years. Uh, <laughs> 19, 1990, you do the math, was my first fantasy football season. And I, I've never had a partner before. So this league is the first time I've ever, I've had it in other things and in, in survivor pools and different pools, but in a fantasy football, I've never allowed a co-manager and I'm not sure I would if it wasn't for charity. So uh, good, to, good for you, Eric, you've got me out of my comfort zone a little bit.
1: Hey, yeah, I, I, de- I definitely appreciate that. You're, you're willing to, to mix it up for, for a little old us. And like, like you said, the the thing that i've i've really grown to appreciate throughout this process is is just the strength of the relationships that um that that are forged right you you and Kenny have been playing together for both seasons it sounds like you're you know you're relatively close we've got people who were absolute strangers heading into our first draft and they now uh went on vacation together uh this this past summer Uh, that's cool people that have spun up new shows or that work together now so definitely like the the relationship aspect and doubling back to a point that you made a few minutes ago absolutely live by words to live by if you're going to play in multiple leagues make it a point that there is some wrinkle some differentiation whatever it might be from league to league right that is that is one of my table stakes rules. If you're going to have multiple leagues, at least have one of them be, you know, uh, more teams, a different scoring setting, what, whatever it might be, um, so that you you do have a little bit of that that intrigue. And and taking a look at your your roster, um, you do have one of the more unique builds out there, right? Um, you you can essentially play whomever you like, and you are incredibly. Heavy on the wide receiver side, right? You've got Tyree Kill out there, Ceedee Lamb, T. Higgins, uh, plenty of these elite options at the wide receiver position. But unfortunately, a little bit of somber news: yeah. you were <laughs> unsuccessful in advancing to the finals here. <laughs> as good uh, as it was, fight. it it didn't work out, did it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and look, it was it was actually it was it was one of your horses that let you down, right? Tyree Kill. Came in a little bit under four points I know, for you. I know. You know what's ironic is
0: uh and we'll I don't want to spoil like future things you're gonna ask me o, but it wasn't as much Tyree Kill let me down or the guys in the lineup that underperformed as it was the fact I didn't have Lamar Jackson, which uh you know we streamed, you know, Cam Newton there and had some success. And I, I didn't want to go with him last week, especially if they're talking about him not playing the game. So we turned to Matt Ryan on the waiver wire, which he did okay, given the options. But, uh, you know, we be, I com- I contemplated putting on Robbie Anderson, we left him on the bench, and I was looking at a couple spots to replace him. But, unfortunately, uh, Donovan People jones didn't get a lot of action. Baker Mayfield completed more passes to the Packers on Saturday night than he did the Browns. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's what happens. I got to be, uh, you know, last week, this was one of seven uh, semi-final settings. I was also alive in the Scott Fishbowl, ironically. Uh, Evan turned in one of my better seasons there. And I had a, ne- a common denominator, Lamar Jackson. He was the guy that I needed in my lineup. And I also had Tyree Kill, who did play in my lineup on both of those teams, and put up a big donut almost. with, And I think he was still struggling from the COVID a little bit. But you know what? Uh, as I always say, I said it last week on my radio show, it's like if you're one of four teams still alive this weekend, in your fantasy league consider yourself lucky because in most leagues that means that two-thirds of the league is no longer playing you've made it to that final quarter quadrant and i can tell you because i run all the do good fantasy leagues where we have eight 12 team divisions and a couple other leagues not many matchups are left in those championship games with the one versus two seed so you get into the playoffs anything can happen and team Harmon, i mean they were loaded they got lucky uh, I would be talking to you as a winner today if Austin Eckler didn't have COVID, uh, you know, because Justin Jackson, and I ran into uh, him in our lineup as well, so it equaled each other out, uh, but, you know, it would have been interesting without Justin Jackson uh, going in either lineup like you know and I can't this didn't hurt me cuz we both had Justin Jackson but like uh, in the in one of the series xm host leagues Scott Engel had Justin Jackson he waiver wire he picked up four guys off the waiver wire for his starting lineup and they combined for 80 points which is a good lesson out there. It is like need to stay on it man you need yeah. to stay on it and diligent and trying to improve your roster but I do think there is a fine line about trying to over calculate for that a little bit too. And we see it happen at this time of year owners just, you know, especially this week, there's no Thursday games, dude. You
1: got six days to keep tinkering and tinkering. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be tough. There's there, there are going to be some, some casualties to to tinker time here in, in championship <laughs> week for sure. And we had, we actually were lucky enough to have Scott on with us last week and very much so we were, we were commending him, for his amount of activity on the waiver wire right he was he was one of those those few teams even here in this league of experts that every single week was churning the back side of his bench and more often than not the guy that everybody wanted next week was someone that Scott managed to pick up a week before for you know <laughs> pennies on the dollar um so definitely one of one of the more active uh waiver managers out there certainly not surprised to hear that that is something that uh, holds true for him in in leagues outside of this one
0: no doubt about it no doubt about it and i you know I, th- I think as a you just always have to be trying to improve your roster not just on championship day but i think even if you i find that you get out to a fast start in a league maybe you get out you're 3 and 0 4 and 0 whatever and it's like you you're like oh my team's cruising and you're not really sp- spending those fab dollars or thinking about it too much and then you end up missing out. Like, I think you can always improve. Right. And not just in fantasy, but in life, I mean, there's always something you can make better. And so I think you have to churn those last few spots constantly making moves and taking chances.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. You gotta, you gotta find those people that if you know, one or two things break in their favor, they're all of a sudden a huge asset and you get them for, a fraction of what they would cost the the week of right so yeah uh certainly sound advice um doubling back to uh something that you mentioned with with Tyreek Hill uh, specifically coming back from COVID last week looking a little bit uh unlike himself in that first game back uh COVID remains a a topic of conversation uh, throughout the NFL we we saw uh, as a fast follower to updated CDC guidelines the NFL has now changed their health and safety protocols around positive testing and the amount of time that a player needs to isolate. Um, I, I guess just kind of on the macro, Dan, what what are your thoughts about the NFL doing this? You know, mid year after other teams have already had their seasons disrupted based on the former policy.
0: Well, I get why. I, yeah. I get why some teams that are impacted by it, even though they're not the ones dealing with the COVID have had some different considerations, but yeah, I commend the NFL for just the way that they are willing to be fluid here. I mean, as a country, we've had to be fluid these past two years. I mean, goodness, uh, our, our children have have been going to school on zoom meetings and, you know, a lot of, uh, I mean, heck, even at my employer, I mean, we, I mean, we worked virtually for almost a year And I think, you know, as they're just following the science and the guidelines that they're out there from the CDC and such Uh, at the end of the day, as a football fan, fantasy aside, just as a football fan. Like, I want to see the best product on the field. And as long as they can do it in a safe way, I don't care about them changing things midseason. This is much better than the crap we saw in Major League Baseball, where suddenly mid-season they're starting examining baseballs and, and pitchers as they come off the mound and and you know putting these restrictions in because that is something that's not driven by people dying or a spread of a disease or you know the economic impact of all these pandemics i mean that was just completely unnecessary for any of those reasons so i To me, it's sort of apples and oranges, but you see leagues imply and change rules mid-season all the time. And heck, we even have to do it in our fantasy leagues, right? Uh, I'm a big proponent and have been as a guy that's been running fantasy leagues for literally over three decades now. uh, You have to have rules in place and you have to have a commissioner that when the rules aren't in place, that can do the right thing to protect the integrity of the league. And at the end of the day, I think Roger Goodell and the, and the powers of being the NFL are doing the best they can with the situation they've been dealt. And you look at last year at this time, I, I, I'm, I hate to quote this tweet I saw because I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think it was something like there was 50 cases like of COVID from now, from the beginning of 2020 to this point in the season last year. Now we're looking at like three or 400 of them uh, that the league has dealt with this year. And I mean, with this Omicron and the, the high contagiousy level of it. And, and the fact that their testing was so rigorous. I don't know. I mean, we all have our opinions of COVID and I get it's a heated issue. Uh, for me, you know, I just try to make the best decisions I can based off the, the science of things and what I think is best for my family. I'm not going to judge others for these things, but I mean, the fact, the fact is, if I, you're, it gets me a little frustrated when, when players, uh, you know, on an NFL team playing in the NFL is a privilege. And, you know, these guys are making millions of dollars and they know what's at stake. And it's like, okay. I mean, I get, you're not going to get vaccinated, but it's like, I don't know. (laughs) It'd be tough for me in that position to not look at that. If I'm a vaccinated player on a team and suddenly this guy's going to miss two games because, you know, he chose not to do that. Like, At some point, you know, I think it is, you know, it's not a team-oriented type of thing. But uh, again, um, you know, I'm going to make decisions based off me. But in terms of the NFL changing the rules based off of the guidelines that the CDC and and that many other scientists around the world are suggesting, and it's based off of that, like I'm all about it. I think we don't want to have an NFL playoffs. That has a subpar product on the league and the fact that i mean heck i can't tell you i mean primetime games over the last couple weeks where there's been these covet issues that dude i'm like literally turning it off and a guy like me turning off a game before <laughs> halftime and and watching something else like that's a problem
1: yeah i mean i've i've got a similar point of view on it right the you know the the, the necessity to change it midseason is unfortunate for those teams that were impacted by the old protocol Uh, but ultimately it it doesn't change the fact that this was the right decision for the quality of their product right yeah and we're at a point now where i mean over the
0: last few weeks every single team in the league's been impacted i mean granted i mean there have been a few teams with bigger outbreaks but i mean name a team and we can name five or six players have been on and off COVID protocols so
1: easily i think the
0: bigger question right for me I don't have a problem with the league and, you know, it's a fluid situation, but it's when guys come off the list, we don't have any idea where they really symptomatic. Did, I mean, did, right. know, I had COVID. I, I I was fully vaccinated. I had COVID. I got it uh, back in, you know, a few months back and it kicked my ass. Mm-hmm. And you know, it took me a month to shake fatigue. Now I'm an old, unathletic dude, but, uh, <laughs> you know, Tyreek Hill, I've read that last week you're talking about him laying a dud, but, you know, he was <laughs> – he was really winded out there and it He's showed gassed, in this yeah. field. You know, we've seen a lot of cases it takes. So turning it back to fantasy land here, it's like, as these guys even come off the COVID list, it's a roll of the dice. Like, are they still symptomatic here? And how is that going to impact their performance today?
1: It's it's a perfectly fair point, right? You, you mentioned Tyreek Hill. Um, probably one of the more notable instances along uh, similar lines was Amari Cooper, upon his return from uh, a, a, po- a COVID positive test, right? So, um, you know, sticking to or, or rather going back to the the fantasy impact, I, I, I'm at a point where I think it's fair to consider that as maybe a tiebreaker between two players that I'm making a decision on, right? If one yeah. is fully healthy and one is in their first game back, um, I would probably err on the side of it's the a player variable. who's not it's a, recovering it's a from variable. COVID. But it's, you know, everybody,
0: yeah. COVID has impacted each person impact, <laughs> infected by it differently at different times and different variants. So it's, it is. It's a guessing game. It's certainly much like weather, much like these other things. And it is funny because I was talking about it with my co-host, James Adams, uh, during our podcast recently, and essentially – As much as the COVID's been a crazy curveball here during the fantasy playoff time, like I can't remember in all my years of of covering fantasy sports a December with fewer weather impacted games. Right. I mean, there's been nothing. That Chicago Seattle game last week and the win game between New England and uh, Buffalo a few weeks ago. Outside of that, I mean, there hasn't been a single instance where you even had to think about weather. And here we are in the fantasy championship week. This week could be a little different. I'm actually going to the Bengals-Chiefs game here in Cincinnati on Sunday. And uh, it's been like 60. I've been wearing shorts, out walking in shorts and (laughs) T-shirts. And, uh, of course, the first day where it's going to feel like winter, it's going to be dropping down all day into the 20s. Snow, you know, windy. So, I mean, I don't know if it's going to be a huge snow to impact the game or anything. But uh, winter has arrived, my friend, as 2022 hits here across our country.
1: And and it, it will create a uh, playoff like atmosphere for this pivotal matchup for for both teams, right? Uh, yes, anyone yes. who it, hasn't followed
0: Dan no, that's out gonna there, regardless of the Bengals weather fan. that's gonna be there. I mean, the Bengals have a chance to clinch the North. The Chiefs trying to hold on to that number one seed. So it, it will be fun right. regardless of the weather. But
1: certainly, so we will uh will will carry through here while the updated protocols have certainly helped player availability there's still kind of a motley crew of players being rostered here in the championship round of fantasy football um so with that in mind dan who's who's the most sort of surprising player that you find yourself starting this Uh,
0: well i mean in full and complete uh transparency as i mentioned before uh, of my 7 semifinal action week last week i only had one of my teams advance it was a rough week so I am playing in some third place games, but with only one lineup out there, I honestly don't have any, I think the riskiest decision I'm going on there is I'm trying to get the Bears on waivers here tonight, so starting their defense against the Giants, but there are a lot of landmines sitting out there, Eric, in week 17 that I think are worth noting. I mean, obviously, I mentioned uh, a guy that I've had on my mind in Lamar Jackson and practicing today and. Uh, or I should say practicing on Wednesday, and you know, here's a situation with Jackson. Uh, even if he comes back, I mean, how much can we expect out of this guy, right? I mean, coming off of the injury, you know, we have some of these COVID players. I think, uh, you know, Rashad Penny was a guy last week that, um, you know, I had a problem try- he had a good week last week, but he had a dud two weeks ago when I needed him and I started him. He got burned, and part of me is like, oh man, it's still Rashad Penny. Uh, but I think you could start, see him in some starting lines. I, I think a guy out there, I've heard some people asking about on questions to me, considering it's Rex Burkhead. And I've never been a fan of chasing last week's production. I mean, last week Burkhead, I mean, everything operated right there. He used to move the ball. Well, he had that great matchup against the chargers Rundy this week at San Francisco. So I, I don't think it, looks quite as good i do think the volume's there so in some cases i mean i have actually said all right he's a flex option am i going to want to start uh dario gabale or whoever the jaguars running back is going to be with uh james robinson out probably not they're like 17 point underdogs now i think or right. 16 point <laughs> underdogs so the, i mean there are guys out there every year that are obscure dudes that end up winning fantasy leagues and uh you know i've used seen many of them over the years hit but Mostly, I think this week. I mean, what we're seeing with COVID and everything. I mean, it's there's a lot of guys coming back from the list. So uh, I'm I'm gonna risk Travis Kelsey in one of my third place games uh, with confidence. Uh, but I, I don't really have a, I don't really have that dude on my roster uh, that is like okay. I, I'm wondering about Cordero Patterson. I've got uh, I've been a big fan of what he's done. He was one of the waiver wire pickups and in a deeper setup where I'm loaded, honestly, uh, I'm probably going to bench him this week because I just think that, uh, you know, he hasn't really caught many balls these last month or so and and his touches are going down and it's been a great season, but uh, I think he's, he's sort of fading a little bit. So getting rid of a guy out of your lineup, that's been such a key contributor all season. It's in a a prolonged slump here, seeing a a total uh, change of their role. I mean, those are the decisions you can't, you can't base your starting lineup off of what happened in October.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Cordell Patterson is, is one of the uh, those waiver wire darlings that a lot of people were, you know, waiting to turn it's back. Been a great into a it's been a great season, yeah. but
0: I'll, you know, as we get, if we if we hit the fantasy playoff time here in December, I mean, people have to remember he's never had these types of workloads or touches too. So I think, You know, I mean, it's natural to see somebody uh, in this setup. So there's a lot of people I hear out there pounding their chest. They were anti-Cordero Patterson for the whole season. And they were wrong (laughs) for like 12 weeks of it. And now I see him back out there like, oh, what do we tell you about Cordero Patterson? I I won't name any... any particular people, but uh, a few pretty <laughs> prominent people in the fantasy space that are uh, doing celebration dances. Uh, that you know he's faded the last two weeks after they were wrong for three months is pretty hilarious.
1: Yeah, maybe they've got uh, they've got some more time to celebrate because fading Cordero has them outside <laughs> of the playoffs and with more time on their hands. Yes, yes. Um, but you, uh, you you mentioned a moment ago that um, you had seven teams make it there to the semis. Um, one of them has advanced to the championship round, I guess, kind of tying back to the thread we had when we were talking about your draft, uh, are any of these leagues where there's uh, a unique, uh, format to the playoff itself or they all, yeah, you
0: know, it's funny you say that because, uh, especially in the leagues I run, I like to try new and different things. Uh, so one of our setups, I mean, we got rid of playoff matchups a few years ago uh so So we do a 16 team well it's it's basically a a survivor style we play head-to-head during the season so it's traditional but once we get to the playoffs instead of having uh teams on buys and and you know one seed versus four seed and stuff like that we literally drop out the two lowest scoring teams each week of the playoffs and uh in another league where i uh you know, there was a my league I care the most about. It's a league I started up about uh, 15 years ago. It's pretty high stakes. It's an auction dynasty hybrid type thing. And essentially, uh, that league's funny because I scored the second most points in the league and I lost last week. And I sh- oh. I, I was so much better than the team that beat me out as the one seed. I should have had the buy and been on the other side. But here I am stacked up against the highest scoring team in the league. They delivered a big week and it's like, I'm looking at this other matchup and I've outscored both these teams. So I am a fan in the playoffs of letting the highest scoring teams advance. And uh more leagues I start up have gone that route. I like the main event style in our do good fantasy league, where we have eight 12-team divisions. We, you know, they compete during the playoffs for the fit weeks fifteen to seventeen, like a typical 12-team division. But simultaneous, the top five scores from each division get into this overall main event where there's four weeks or mm-hmm. three weeks of action plus your weekly average. So it's it's sort of like a total points pool, but you know, those things are fun. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, third place games. I had a big discussion about that. And I'm playing in two of them this week. If you play for a large enough entry fee in your league, anything, you know, that's different. I, I do like the idea of leaving a little bit of change there for the teams that just missed, uh, to have something to play for here. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people like, hey, winner take all, but Typically, when I run a league, you know, there's a little bit more entry fee involved, and we like to pay out high weeks. We like to pay out third place games, scoring races. But I, I challenge you to add new twist to it. Uh, one of the topics on our show Saturday will be, uh and we do it every year, and in this week is like the punishment leagues, right? Like, what what do the losers <laughs> have to do? Because I live here in the uh, Greater Cincinnati area. I don't know if you heard about the dude in the Waffle House, the whole. Had to do the Waffle House for twenty four hours. I, well, that's a guy that I know and like is right here in our backyard, and we've had him yeah. on the show. And I think that's just great <laughs> stuff, right there. I'm real. I'm really. I always like to hear new ideas and creative things that leagues are doing to uh, keep owners engaged, and most of all, keep them from not wanting to finish in last place.
1: Yeah it's it's a it's a ton of fun. Uh, much like you, my longest standing, most cared about league of record is one where I seemingly have the best team more years than not and always get bounced out in the playoffs uh this year i was chased down by the cowboys defense putting up a 30 burger oh, yeah uh, yeah the dolphins it, d it, knocked me out of one of my
0: auction leagues yeah uh, exactly. i was up like almost 20 points going into monday night and and
1: there there we went. go <laughs> um but yeah i'm am I'm, I'm actually a big fan of one of the format you mentioned a moment ago where heading into the playoffs each team starts with their weekly average of scoring so that way if you know if they really had a strong regular season they kind of have that base of of advantage <laughs> broken in so certainly something uh something interesting to explore and always like finding creative ways to um you know add add a little bit more um you know degree of difficulty or, or intrigue to it um, as we wrap up the fantasy season, at least as a few more weeks of uh, regular and playoff uh, action in the NFL, um, would would love to get your, your opinion, Dan, are there any players uh, across the league where you think they might potentially be uh, picking up a change of scenery this off Oh and, man, and I think potentially... that offseason season is going to be filled
0: with some player movement. I mean,
1: I know, uh, the
0: quarterbacks are the headliners and we'll talk about some of those guys for sure. But to me, I, I look every year at like, okay, what are gonna be the guys that are gonna make the biggest impact and move on? And and outside the quarterback position, I think next year's receivers are gonna be really interesting. Like uh I mean, I do expect the Packers with between Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams stuff to be among the big storylines there. I'm anxious to see what happens with Deshaun Watson, but you look at some of the other receivers. I mean, um, Godwin, his injury was unfortunate. He was on a franchise tag there. Who knows what what time he'll come back next year. Will he be back in Tampa Bay? What are the Bucs going to do with Antonio Brown? Will any other team take on that hot mess? You got Mike Williams. They didn't pick up uh, the extension on him. So he's going to be in a new home. And Allen Robinson, I mean, this year was a total. I mean, talk about the biggest fantasy bust at the position. But was it all on him? he's not going to be a bear next season. A lot of those people on the sidelines won't be a bear next season, but you know, I think I'm looking at those receivers. I definitely am anxious to see and hope that Melvin Gordon leaves Denver. So all my Javante Williams shares goes there, but you know, what will happen with him? I know Fournette with the bucks is another guy, Arizona, both Edmonds and Connor are set to be free agents. So, you know, will these guys stick? And, uh, certainly, uh, what will some of the teams do to get players? Like, you know, I look at new Orleans and it's like, Alvin Kamara. I, I really believe in the guy, but this offense is sort of a train wreck. Michael Thomas has been useless these past couple years. And if they don't get a quarterback, it's like, I'm dialing back my Alvin Kamara shares based off of the quarterback situation. And it's nothing to do with Kamara. I'm enamored by his talent. He's been one of my favorite fantasy players of recent years. And I don't think he's done with his ability. But I mean, there's so much to go through. And you know, that's why we do it. That's why I do my podcast year round. That's why I start doing best balls. I'm pretty much in March nonstop for like six months because I love the offseason. I think uh, there's opportunities there. People are like, why do you draft so early? Well, that's when I think you have the best advantage. I'm looking back at some of my best ball nows and guys that I was getting in round 12 that ended up being round four by August are the one reasons I'm winning some money. So uh, it's fun for me. I love the draft process. I love I love getting into the rookies. Um, I'm not the biggest college football guy. I, you know, I, I, I watch some of it. I, I'd certainly bet on things I shouldn't, but uh, I definitely once the combine start up and I've got my go-to dudes that I always bring on and uh, follow and read. And you know, by the time those rookie drafts start up, I'm 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 ready, buddy. So uh, it should be fun. But there's definitely going to be so many moving parts this off season that uh, it's going to be tough to
1: keep track of. It it really will, and I will. Uh, I'll I'll pin you down here for the record, Dan. What is your official guess on the number of quarterbacks that end up with a different team next season? Well, as a starter,
0: are we talking about starting quarter veterans that will be right. starting in a new team?
1: Yes, yeah, so, uh, specifically players who started games this year, yeah. suiting up for a new squad next. Year. Oh, I
0: would say you're looking at at least twenty five percent of the league. I mean, you're just looking at the free. I mean, we we talked about. Deshaun Watson, obviously, uh, I don't think he'll play for the Texans again, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. Those names are ones we're all out there, but then, you know, I look at guys like, uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater with Denver. I mean, if the Broncos add him, he's going to be out there. Somebody will start him. Ben Roethlisberger. I look for him to retire. He should. Uh, I think we've seen the last of Cam Newton potentially as well. Jameis Winston coming back from his injury will be a free agent. Uh, I don't know. I, I think not as many as we think, but probably I would say eight veterans that were starters this year will at least be competing for a starting job elsewhere next season. I, I think that'd be a good guess. The question becomes like, really, is which of these teams that need quarterback will they try to hit these free agents up or make room for that, or will they do it in the draft? And, uh, you know, the influx of young quarterbacks. I mean, this year's rookie class, Mac Jones has looked okay. Uh, you know, I think they've really put him in a position for success, but I'm the jury's still out on everybody else. Right. I think one thing I learned this year is with rookie quarterbacks, you need to be patient. And especially in guys that, you know, aren't going to have the job right. of like a Trey Lance. I mean, I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I, I took a roll of the dice in a few leagues. I didn't want to have too many shares of the guys, but I definitely overpaid uh, in a few spots that I regret now, but you know, uh, I'm a I got a I'm a high risk player. Sometimes I like to diversify my fantasy portfolio, so I'm going to have some exposure to
1: high upside players, and they don't always hit. They they certainly do not. I have also been uh, bit by that snake this year. I, I thought that um, we would be looking at a situation where Trey Lance would be pretty comfortably taking this job somewhere around week seven or week eight. Um, so I've I've got a lot of build where I started out with uh a Matt Ryan or Kirk Cousins just to, to bide some time for one of these rookies to take on. I will uh, say Kirk with Cousins the quarterback obviously position. worked out better. I mean,
0: everybody and their brother waits on quarterback, waits on quarterback, waits on quarterback. And it's gotten to the point where too many people are waiting on quarterback. And to me, yeah, I mean yeah, there's always there's quarterbacks that get drafted late that produce, but getting the right guy in your when you have two fringe QB ones and getting the right one in your starting lineup each week is harder than people make it out to be. They never factor that into the theory. So I've definitely, I'm not going to ever be the first guy to draft a quarterback unless it's just some of these host like industry leagues I am because it's like round eight, and, you know, QB one still there. I'll take him. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like I do think <laughs> that I want to be one of the first five or six owners in a league to draft a QB and you look at the QB ranks this year because it is deep but having a, a, a QB1 that's tears ahead of my QB2 if I even have a QB2 and uh, I'll use this as a chance to plug a uh, super flex every you talk about different leagues make make your league a super flex or at least play in a super flex league bring
1: quarterbacks back to
0: fantasy football for crying out loud
1: it's it's a ton of fun I'm I'm in a I'm in a similar boat I found myself with a ton of kyler murray this year yeah where he just continued mm. to fall to the seven it was eighth, a great until he got hurt which is until he got hurt yeah um and, uh, and this year more than any i found myself taking quarterback earlier than most people in the draft yeah. and it felt a little weird but the the teams that came together around it were were still very solid on the whole so another lesson in adapting and advancing in in this dynamic finance uh, fantasy world and and with that, we will actually get set to wrap things up here. We've got a few questions that came in from our listeners on Twitter. The first is our guy, Tony. He is needing a flex position and a half-point PPR. And he's deciding between Daryl Williams, DeAndre Swift, Boston Scott, and Rex Burkhead.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. And you know, There's the Rex Burkhead uh, conundrum we were speaking of earlier. I think all these guys could potentially be viable starters, but for me, it definitely is Darrell Williams. I don't expect Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to play. And you know what we've seen with Williams in the weeks where he has, and he's been viable, if not back-end RB1, RB2, I think if volume's going to be there again, and definitely the TD upside. For me, Scott and, and Burkhead are definitely a tier below. Obviously, Swift coming back is appealing to me, but I don't know. Is he 100%? I trust Williams a little bit more there.
1: I would think so as well, and and Williams performed admirably in, in in CEH's stead when he missed some time earlier in the season, so definitely like that call. <laughs> Moving on to Albert, who is also in a half-point PPR and is also bringing to light someone that we talked about a bit earlier. He's deciding between Coral Darrell Patterson and KJ Osborne.
0: Yeah, and I think as we established earlier, it is certainly fair to be questioning Patterson, and Osborne with the news of Adam Thielen being on uh, the season ending injury there. And I do think it's a closer gap than it was, but I, I mean, Patterson's a guy I am considering benching where I'm stacked. And I don't think Osborne puts me in the stacked level. Um, I don't know. I think TD, if I'm betting on which guy has a better chance to score a touchdown it's definitely Patterson by far, but, uh, in this setup, the receptions, I'm looking at a Minnesota team here that, uh, They're going to be playing Green Bay. The total last I looked was at 48, and uh, I think they're going to be playing from behind. So Osborne, probably a pretty viable consideration this week. But I don't think in this instance I'm ready to pull the plug on Patterson just yet, especially being that it's a half-point PPR and not a full-point PPR. I would probably lean more towards the receiver, the true receiver in that setting. But I'm going to go Patterson here. I've got him about 10 spots higher currently in my flex rankings in that format, so I'll stick with that.
1: Now, that sounds about right to me as well and our next question coming in from gus who is in a full point ppr is actually asking about one of the players that maybe is uh, part of the cause of of patterson's uh downturn here over the last few weeks that's russell gage uh, gus is deciding between russell gage brandon Ayuk, and gabriel davis you're needing a flex spot yes spark.
0: and Gabriel Davis a guy that uh I had in my starting lineup last week until he was on the COVID and then you saw what Isaiah McKenzie did problem is Cole Beasley's back Emmanuel Sanders is back although he didn't do much last week you had McKenzie go off I like the talent Davis I like his long-term potential but I think he's a dicey play here in week six or excuse me week 17 and with that said I mean to me this is really between Gage and Ayuk. And you're right. Gage has been a guy that's been getting it done. The steady volume of targets. I, I definitely think he's established himself uh, as the, at least wide receiver wise as as the leader of this pack. I mean, so it's between him and Ayuk, and with uh, no Jimmy Garoppolo, not knowing what the Trey Lance situation is going to be and how he's going to deliver the football. I think that's the deciding factor here for me to go with the Falcons out.
1: I've I've got a very similar point of view on it. I'm, I'm actually I'm seeing a lot of people. Uh, doing some, uh, I guess, kind of correlative analysis, saying that Debo was Jimmy's guy, so Ayuk will be Trey Lance's guy. Yeah. But ultimately, I think Debo
0: I, is Shanahan's guy.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if he were on anyone's team, he would be anyone's guy. But I don't think I
0: Ayuk's a I mean, I I mean, Ayuk's definitely uh, based off what we've seen recently. A guy that's in wide receiver three flex conversation for me this week. I just think certainly. Gage is slightly safer with, and that's what I look at it. it's like, okay, this guy their ceilings are similar for
1: sure right and i just believe gauge to have the higher floor the the point that that persists for me more than anything is uh by and large we're still kind of speculating on what this offense is with trey lance right so yeah. introducing that unknown is is certainly a one, bit of a
0: one right thing you know i'm a big believer in and you know fantasy and, and gambling has mixed and sports betting has really married itself together but for me it's been part of my life for a couple of decades i mean i've i've been pretty uh into monitoring spreads and betting on games for quite some time and now we can just do it legally but right. at the end of the day like it's a close decision between i and gauge i'm looking at the game i'm seeing okay i got my one receiver on a team that's a two touchdown underdog my other receiver is on a team that's a two uh, two touchdown favorite Which receiver is likely to get targets for four quarters of action? And the answer is Russell Gage. And that then goes into my projection, which then goes into targets to catch ratio to yards. And there's a whole layer of ripple effect that happens. But I like receivers that are uh, on a team that is probably going to be losing by double digits after
1: halftime. (laughs) I, I couldn't agree more with you there. So we will carry forward to our last question coming in from Lee uh very much so has one of those motley crews that i talked about up at the top um lee's needing two and a full point ppr between ronald jones rex burkhead sony michelle daryl williams and van jefferson so two flex spots needing to fill. yeah
0: these are some nice options and burkhead doesn't need to be on the list i mean he is viable for some and i do think as i said before he's in the flex conversation but i mean you've already named off some dudes I mean, we talked about Daryl Williams. I don't even need to hit the re button on that. I like Sonny Michelle even more than him this week. And I like Ronald Jones more than both of them. So I think right there, you've got three of my top fifteen running backs. Uh, I probably know. actually in this scenario bench Williams, but those three are far ahead uh, of Van Jefferson and uh, oh, actually Burkhead's not in that. I'm blending. I'm, I'm blending that together. I rank them Jones, Michelle, Williams, Jefferson. Sorry, I threw Rex Burkhead in there. I still got Rex Burkhead on my mind yeah it he he has a way of just kind of lingering around this time of year <laughs> hey man so, he played with my team the bengals for a while there so i've always uh, sort of rooted
1: for rex i'm just not rooting for him in my lineups this week yeah exactly so with that we will wrap things up here on the week 17 edition of the pros with joe's podcast before we do dan we always like to give some time back to our guest um, any one or anything that you want to shout out as we, we close out here. Yeah, or as well, out? just thanks for having me, man. Uh,
0: obviously, I mean, I enjoyed playing in the pros with Joe's contest. I wish the best of luck to the finalist. And, uh, Really, again, a uh, great job of supporting all the organizations. Uh, mine is DAV, DAV.org. If you want to help veterans, you can make donations there as well. But more importantly, if you are a veteran and need some help, check out all the free programs and services. And for all my fantasy stuff, whether it's my podcast, my radio show, my rankings, my content, the best thing to do is just follow me on Twitter at Dan Claskins because I'm always posting it there. And Eric, best of luck to you, my friend. Uh, keep up the good work and Happy New Year.
1: Thank, thank you so much, Dan, for your time, for your support and participation over these last two years, and uh, definitely do plead everyone out there to take a look at the work that's going on over at DAV. They're, they're one of the fantastic organizations that I've become more familiar with through this process. They do a really good job of getting the absolute most out of uh, all of the money that is donated, so really good stuff over there at DAV. For us here at the Pros with Joe's podcast, we are a proud member of the Dr. Roto Media Network. Anywhere that you get your podcast, you can simply search for Pros with Joe's Podcast or the Dr. Roto Media Network. You will find all of the work that we're doing there, be able to go back through all 17 weeks of our episodes. And as you are taking a look at some of our work, please, if you would be so kind, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, throw some stars our way. It really goes a long way in helping spread the message and the word of the work that we are doing. And with that, we will see you all in week 18. Thanks for stopping by the office. Get your
0: fantasy prescription by subscribing to the channel and checking out drroto.com. And until the next visit, be well and take care.